Free agency is approaching fast, and the Chargers have a big decision to make about star wide receiver Mike Williams. And I think, David, with all the teams who will probably want his services, if he makes it to free agency, it's time to start thinking about a world and where Mike Williams does not come back to the Chargers. You are locked on Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer. We've been covering the Chargers together for over six seasons, but this is our fifth going into as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day and thank you guys for making us your first listen today and i think all eyes are on mike williams as free agency is approaching but to make sure you never miss a show go subscribe now to the locked on chargers youtube channel and find the show for free on all platforms wherever you get your podcast from but this is a big one david because we've been kind of debating what is going to happen with this mike williams situation and also what the best move to do is with mike williams and i think the other thing that we saw in an espn plus article talking about the best fits in free agency is that a lot of other teams are going to want Mike Williams. So maybe it is time to wonder, what is it going to look like without Mike Williams? And could he fit better with another team? But the Chargers were also projected to get Uchenna Nuosu back on a deal and bring in Mike Kosicki. So we'll talk about how that fits and why I think there's another tight end, maybe in David and Joku in the last segment that could fit a little better. And maybe we have to you know, reunite two Pro Bowl players in Tyron Matthew and Derwin James in the secondary for the Chargers. But it starts, David, with Mike Williams because... In this article, it has him going to the Cleveland Browns, right? And he has a lot of reasons, you know, for why the Browns would want him and why it would make sense. Give Baker Mayfield, you know, surround Baker Mayfield, see what he can do if he has more talent. After the last star receiver in Odell Beckham Jr., found more success with the Los Angeles Rams, right? So I think that's kind of a one of those things where it's like, ah, do I want to go to that situation and see if I work with him? Because I know I work very well with Justin Herbert, who got the most, you know, out of my production in 2021. And I think... What this is showing, though, David, even if it's not the Browns that are the best fit, is that the Chargers will definitely you know, have a chance to be outbid if Mike Williams makes it to free agency. If they don't franchise tag him, if they don't work out a new deal, he could be gone. Yeah, he definitely could be. And I think that's a misconception maybe around the, the Chargers community out there is that you know a lot of people are deciding, you know, should the Chargers keep Mike Williams or you know should they let him go? One thing that you know I think should definitely be put to bed is that Mike Williams is going to have a market, okay? If he makes it to free agency, of they course. are going to be teams that are going to want to bring him in. He's one of the best big play wide receivers in the NFL, and his yards per catch average every single year he's been in the league has been a testament to that amongst uh, other numbers. But Mike Williams is one of the bigger free agents out there, and it, it's kind of, I guess it puts it in perspective when you see a list like this and you see him almost at the top at number three. Yeah, the number three biggest free agent from this ESPN Plus article. I mean, I don't know if I agree with that, but I do think that one thing that we've seen with covering the Chargers is Mike Williams does have his faults, but we also know how productive he is and how much he meant to this offense last season. Also, you know, 10th per yards per route run, which means he was very efficient last season. Eighth in yards after the catch per reception, which is something that he isn't necessarily getting a lot of credit for. But there was a lot of, you know, blown coverage, touchdowns and things like that. Either way, the thing is, is that I don't know if there, you know, it is a better fit with the Browns than it is with the Chargers, because I think with the Chargers, what Mike Williams knows 
is that he's going to have Justin Herbert throwing him the football, and he knows he's going back to an offense that targeted him over 120-plus times, right? So he knows the fit, and he knows he can keep putting big stats up. But at the same time, David, this is his best chance to cash in. For Mike Williams, this will probably undoubtedly be the biggest contract that he ever signs. He has every reason to want to go cash in. When you see guys like Kenny Galladay in New York signing $18 million deals, and now he's going to the table with a season that he just put together, even with the other inconsistent years and inconsistent, inconsistent you know, stretches of the season, I mean, he's going to want to get paid. And I don't know if the Chargers at this point are going to be willing to pay that, right, especially if they start getting bids from other teams. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, that's the, the one complication that I don't think people have really considered um, really is, you know, they think if the Chargers and Mike Williams are going to get a deal done, they're going to get it done early. I mean, we've seen with contract negotiations. I think they have to, too. Like, I think they if it doesn't get done, if he makes it all the way to free agency, because we all gone. thought Hunter Henry was going to be back last year, right? Yeah. And they just showed they didn't want to pay a premium for that position for Hunter Henry. So even if people are assuming he's going to come back, like it, I don't think it's that easy. No, it's definitely not. It's not that easy at all because – and it's not an easy decision for Mike Williams either because you have to weigh, hey, this is my probably one and only opportunity to get the biggest contract I'm ever going to get in my NFL career. I'm 28 years old. I'm coming off of a career year. So I got to really think to myself, I got to weigh you know, the pluses and minuses. Hey, um, am I going to go out there and try to make the most money or am I going to try to put myself in the best position to make a good amount of money and also win championships? I mean, we got we don't know what his motivations are. I mean, we definitely have seen the emotions that he showed after that, you know, playoff or playoff atmosphere type game sure. against the Raiders. Uh, we we know he cares. We we know he loves the game. He stated on multiple different occasions that he loves the organization. Made a lot of friendships here. He does not like change. So he, you know, I think there's a, some, definitely stuff there that a deal could get done. Um, but I mean, that's the thing you got to think about: is hey, do I want to win a championship or do I want to make as much money as humanly possible? And we always want to build that second part up. Like, how much does he really want to contend? And, I mean, he could go to a team who's a contender as well. I mean, that's sure. also – I mean, it's hard to say the Chargers right now, if you're going ring chasing or something like that, or just the number one place you'd want to go, right? There's a couple different places that could give him a better chance, you know, on paper than that. But I think the other thing is, though, is just that most of the time, these decisions aren't that difficult, right? It's, hey – Who's going to put up the money, right. right? And we saw that last year, you know, with guys like John Johnson and Troy Hill, a couple guys, you know, we thought maybe we want to play with Brandon Staley. No, they just went and took fat checks yeah. from the Cleveland Browns, right? And that's what yeah. this article has the Cleveland Browns doing again with Mike Williams. It makes a ton of sense for them. It makes, you know, sense for them to try to throw money at a big-time receiver, see if they can get more out of Baker Mayfield. But I think, David, what – I mean, if he – I don't know if the Chargers pay him, you know, $20-plus million a season. I don't, I don't think that they should – but I also don't think it would be easy to replace his production because after that, if we're looking at a world without Mike Williams, now we're looking at Keenan Allen, feel great about that, Josh Palmer, and Jalen Guyton, who's also a free agent, you know. So, like, I'd assume they would bring him back, especially if Mike gets away. But that it's a much less scary trio, David, than, you yeah. know, Mike Williams, Josh Palmer, and Keenan Allen. Well, and you can't just say to yourself, oh, well, Mike Williams is gone. I'm just going to go grab another wide receiver, sign him off the street. Well, the Chargers track record of signing wide receivers off the street is not very good. And, oh, oh, by the way, I'm just going to go into the draft. And I'm not I'm signing them off the street, just signing them in free agency. I mean, yeah. they're not grocery baggers. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> 
I'm not going to just bring in a wide receiver and expect that guy to be able to come in immediately and provide the production that Mike Williams provided to you. Or you can't just say, hey, I'm going to go get somebody in the draft and immediately expect them to come in and be a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL. Yeah, it's happened. Obviously, there's guys out there like Jamar Chase and, you know, Justin Jefferson. Those guys came in and immediately established themselves as premier receivers in the league. That doesn't happen every year for every team. So you can't depend on that. You can't just expect that production to be replaced or those big time catches every single time you needed it. Mike Williams provided that for the most part. So it's it's hard to re- replace that production, replace that chemistry, replace the leadership that he provided and he's shown with his, you know, time with the Chargers. Yeah, I mean, if, if PFF really wants to make some money, though, you know, they have big time throws. What about big time catches, you know? Yeah. Catches in the clutch, contested catches in the clutch, deep passes, you yeah. know, when the game's Seventh on the, the line. Seventh in the league and catches over 25 yards with 13. So, yeah. I mean, he does that year in and year out. He brings an explosive to the Chargers offense. He is a vertical threat. It's just not the vertical threat that people think of when you think right. about the prototypical burner and things like that. He's just a guy that when no one's open, you know you can throw it to him and have a chance. And that is yeah. worth a lot. And I think you'd see that if he hit free agency, which is why it is a reality. And I think for the Chargers, I mean, when you just think about that trio, yeah, you you would know going into the draft, right? Maybe you spend a premier you know, pick trying to bring in somebody to replace some of that production, and maybe it works out well. But that would be a big hit to an offense that we knew with what it had last year, right, was a top five offense in the league yep. and could add around that. And in this case, they'd be trying to catch up and try to recoup some of that production that they lose with Mike Williams walking out the door. But they would have some, you know, flexibility, and they would be able to bring back potentially someone like Uchenu Wosu, which is what this article projects the Chargers to do in free agency. So we'll talk about what his contract could look like and also, you know, betting big on somebody who doesn't quite have that production yet, as well as Mike Kosicki and how he fits with the Chargers, or if there could potentially be a better option that would come a little bit cheaper. And we'll get into that, but I do need to tell you guys that the official betting sponsor of the Lockdown Chargers podcast is BetOnline.net. Football may be over, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops, and March Madness is right around the corner, which is the best weekend to bet on everything just nonstop. March Madness is just the best, but it's the best when you have some action on it. And the only place I put my action is at BetOnline.net because they have the best of everything that you're going to be looking for. You can find the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next coach that's fired is going to land. BetOnline.net is the number one spot. For all of your betting needs, BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season, guys, so you can stay up with everything. Make sure you're getting the most out of your money with all the different specials that they have going on in tournaments all the time. So make sure you guys go check out BetOnline.net because it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC odds right to Olympic coverage, even your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn about all the trends in the action right now because BetOnline is where the game starts. All right, David, we talked about Mike Williams, and that is the marquee guy, but there's a lot of important players for the Chargers heading into free agency. And what this list does have, even though I disagree with, you know, what might happen with Mike Williams, is it does have Uchen Nuosu coming back to the Chargers and also has Uchen Nuosu as the 25th ranked free agent heading into this class, which even with his production, it's only 15 career sacks, right? It's not the flashy numbers that get pass rushers paid, and it's not comparable necessarily to the other pass rushers coming off their rookie seasons that have ended up getting paid. He doesn't have that kind of production yet, but we all know what the potential is, and we saw it towards the end of the season. What ESPN is saying here is, hey, he wasn't one of the problems in run defense. He was actually one of the guys that was making it better. Can you let him walk out the door? 
and I think you're also, David, trying to project and betting on an upside from him as a pass rusher and just saying, hey, we're going to bet big on this kid right now because we think his best sack numbers are coming. But we also don't know what that market looks like for him if he does hit the open market. No, you don't. And I mean, I think with with Uchenna especially is you, you at least liked the last thing that you put that he put on tape. The last thing you saw from from Uchenna was him playing his best football of the entire season. Like he put it all together. He was a menace as a pass rusher. He was making stops against the run. He was getting the ball back for your offense. Like he was doing it all. Everything you asked him to do. It really was the culmination of probably learning a lot uh, from a new defense, a lot of ter- new terminology, a lot of new different techniques you're not used to going out there and executing. And then, you know, I think towards the end of the season, that really all clicked. So I think you love yeah, that. It wasn't a fully things. good season, right? No. I mean, it started off pretty rocky and it was like, who's mm-hmm. better, him or Kyler Fackrell? So like, right. it, you're and like, we all thought, hey, once this dude gets the snaps, he's going to be able to turn the four and a half sacks in 2020 and, you know, Somewhere around double. Yeah, it was one of those guys that said that too. And, you know, that didn't really happen. And so going into year two of, of another defense, I think you're trying to project whether he's going to get even that much more comfortable and also keeping in perspective the other moves that are going to be made around him that might make him even more of a player in your defense. So uh, Uchenna, that's a very, it's a very interesting case. It's just going to depend on what kind of contract he's going to look for, Dan. Yeah, and I think that's the thing is if he gets, you know, what Leonard Floyd's contract is right now, if he starts getting in the 13, 12 to 15 kind of million dollar range, which is projected market value is 12 million. I don't know if the Chargers bring it back for that, but they do like to bet on their own players and their own players usually will get a second contract. We didn't see that with guys like Rayshon Jenkins, right? Last year, Dan Feeney, Forrest Lamp, Hunter Henry. They let a lot of dudes go. So we'll see kind of this year if that is more of a philosophy now with Brandon Staley. But I, I do think there's you know a lot of potential upside there because he didn't put it together till the end of the season. But I think you just have to hope that the other teams around the league like are putting too much stock into him, you know, in his actual sack production. And I think the Chargers do need to get actual better sack production because it's like pressures are not. Like you'd have to be a better pass rushing team than the Chargers were last season. It exposed a lot of the issues they had in the secondary it just wasn't good enough, and that's from the inside and from the edge. But I do think with Uchenna, you know you have somebody because there's no heir apparent there, right? You yeah. had Kyler Fackrell. He's gone now. You have Chris yeah. Rump last year, a fourth-round pick. He's not ready to take over that mantle. So it's like I do think there's a, a you know good chance that the Chargers make a big push before he hits the open market saying like, hey, here's a couple of seasons, maybe a three-year deal because unlike Mike Williams, I don't think this will be the biggest contract he signs. I think he has much more incentive to want to get back into the market at a reasonable age to try to get paid even more. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. And that's one thing that we talked about before the show is, is that, you know, Uchenna is a smart, a smart guy, right? He understands like, you know, what he's put on, on tape and what production he's put on the field out there. Like he can't expect to get the the biggest contract for a a defensive end or or a pass rusher out there. He just hasn't had the production to match that. So if I'm him, I'm saying, Hey, I'm going to bet on myself here. I'm going to go on a shorter term contract. I'm going to go crazy. And then I'm going to force whether it's the Chargers or any other team in the NFL to pay me a premium going forward. I think Mike Williams is in a different situation because he's kind of already had a couple of pretty damn good seasons from his position. If Uchenna does that here, he's still young enough to where he can cash in big, big time if he is able to go out there and put his money where his mouth is. 
Well, and that's what I was talking with you about before the show. Like, I feel like Mike Williams kind of peaked last season. Like, I, I don't. Sure. It's not that I don't think that he can't replicate that production. I think he could, and maybe he gets a couple more touchdowns. But I think more or less, when you give him that many targets, when he's out there for you know the full season for the most part, you saw what he could do. It feels like the opposite with Eugenia, right? Where it feels like exactly. you're still only scratching the surface. This was year one with Melvin Ingram totally out of the picture, even though he was out most of the season before. And you finally saw a click with him in Brandon Staley's defense. And out of all the questions you have on the defense of do these guys fit Brandon Staley's system, right? Because he inherited them. He didn't go pick him himself. Yeah. It feels like that's one of those dudes where you hold up and you say, this is how this position is supposed to be played. Yeah. In Brandon Staley's defense, and I don't know if they can and afford Brandon to And Brandon Staley that. has said as much, so has Tom Telesco But then they said well. the same thing about Mike Williams, though, and that's what, make, you know, they're saying all the right things. They said good things about Hunter Henry before he left. Mike yeah. Williams, it seems adamant. Uchenna, when they're saying, you know, I don't know what else he could do to make us like him more. It's pretty adamant, and I think yeah, they'll make a push. Genuine, right? And, like, I, I think his agent has less of a case to, you know, than Mike Williams, who could just say, hey, I'm a top 10 receiver. I need to get paid by like one, you know. Right. Uchenna wasn't a top 10 edge rusher by any, you know, statistical thing that's going to help him with this contract. But it doesn't mean there's not a team out there willing to take a chance on him because, you know, teams have scouts too, and they probably see what the potential is there. Well, he's 25 he, years old too. Like, let's not I think he's going to be that. a lot better. I, mean, I yeah. really do. I think this year he's going to be a lot better. And, you know, I also said that about Kenneth Murray when I thought he was going to be going downhill all the time. But, Either way, another guy on this list, the number 26 free agent, was Mike Kosicki. And we know the Chargers have a whole lot tight end, Consider, you know, assuming that they don't bring back Jared Cook. This is a guy we've talked about before, David, who didn't have a lot of touchdown production, but like 780 receiving yards. That's a pretty gnarly numbers coming from a tight end. And obviously, we know that Justin, Herbert's likes, Justin Herbert likes targeting his tight ends, but it'll probably cost a premium. Yeah, definitely. I mean, looking at Mike Gesicki, just uh, looking looking at the production that he's provided in his you know first four years in the league, you've seen two seasons of 700-plus receiving yards, and then you've seen two seasons of pretty much nothing. So, I mean, it's been very, very hot and cold with Mike Gesicki. This season, this past season, 73 catches, you know, the most he's had in his career, 780 yards, only two touchdowns. And, you know, of course, you got to take a look at that Miami Dolphins offense it was a lot of <clears throat> quick throws a lot of get the ball out of your hands quickly and a, a, a lot of short routes not a lot of you know of those longer you know two offense long developing routes yeah exactly it was just <laughs> trying let's get the ball out of two his hands and let's move it move it down the football field the one thing i did like that i kind of pinpointed from him is that he did pr- provide over the middle of the football field 344 of his receiving yards came over the middle throws in the in the short and in the intermediate parts of the football field. And I think that is an area that the Chargers could get better at. I think that they could get better with somebody who is a little bit more of a presence in the middle of the football field. Sure. That is something that Mike Kosecki provides. But for a proposed market value of numbers we're seeing out there of close to $13 million per season, yeah, it's like I don't 11. know. Four-year yeah. 44 million is what the projection is. That's top That's top five money. I mean, that's yeah, that's tough. That's tough. That's a tough pill for me to swallow, given the yeah. uneven production that we've seen from Mike Kosicki through the, you know the first couple of years of his career. Well, I mean, the only thing you have to think of is just last season when the Chargers didn't want to go out and pay Hunter Henry. Because the other right. thing is about Mike Kosicki is he got 112 targets. Like he he's not getting that in the Chargers' offense more no. than likely. I do think they need someone who can. They need to exploit the middle of the field more, just yes. in general. They need a stretcher, but I don't necessarily think of him as like a seam stretcher, kind of like this is laying it out to be. He's not a really athletic after-the-catch guy. 
He's more of a, you know, play above the rim type of tight end who came away with only two touchdowns last year, which is a little confusing. Obviously, when that's your, you know, bio. Yeah, and we already got a guy that can play above the rim by just standing on his own two feet. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, that's also the Chargers, like, best yak threat, you know, that's not a running back anyways. But it's just, I think the Chargers feel like they can get more with less out of that tight end position. You have an up-and-comer in Donald Parham. You have, you know, Steven Anderson who fits well. You drafted Trey McKitty. I don't think they would go out and spend top-tier money for a tight end. But if there's someone they can bring on the cheap and bet on the upside, that is something I think I would get behind and they could get behind as well. And that's why David Njoku is a guy that stands out, that fits more of that yards after the catch, brings some more explosivity to this offense. I think he can do that. And, you know, could bring some more explosiveness to the defense, David. Tyron Matthew. So we'll get into that after this. All right, well, David, now it's time to get into a couple more free agents from this list. It's all about free agent best fits on ESPN+. Plus, But we're going to talk about a couple of players that we disagree with their best fit on there. And I already told you one with David Njoku, who it says his best fit is to go back to the Cleveland Browns, which, I mean, if I had the choice between Baker Mayfield and Justin Herbert. Yeah, come on now. It's Justin yeah. Herbert all day long and especially twice on Sunday. I mean, that was the joke. I and mean, that's the no one's having that conversation. But the funny thing about the ESPN article is just that it says the scheme fit is in Brian Stefanski's offense. The Browns will deploy two and three tight end sets where Njoku was utilized in the past game. But the problem is, David, he's only been targeted more than 60 times, one time in his five seasons with the Cleveland Browns. Like, I think that would be an argument against them is like, you know kind of what your ceiling is there because they keep proving it to you. They bring in Austin Hooper and guys like that, you know? So like... Yeah. That that part doesn't make a lot of sense to me. What does make a lot of sense to me is the Chargers have 83 targets that went to Jared Cook in 2021, and you could give it to a guy who at the tight end position was averaging over 13 yards per catch. Yeah, who's bigger, faster, stronger, and younger than Jared Cook is. So, yeah, I mean, it would be incredible to see what that dude could do in this offense. And also, for him, you know, why would he want to go back to a Cleveland Browns offense where he's clearly not going to be the number one tight end option and he's not going to get targets or treated like that in that offense? And it's a run-first offense. Exactly. Chargers exactly. throw the ball as much as anyone for the most part. Exactly. So it makes all the sense in the world for David Njoku and for the Chargers to kind of bet on the – abilities that David Njoku has and uh, and the obvious ath- athleticism and the agility and the speed that he brings to the table and see what he can do with a gifted and probably one of the most gifted throwers of the football in the National Football League in Justin Herbert. Yeah, I mean, I think the only thing with Njoku is just the injury history, right? Missed the game last sure. season, missed most of the season the year before that. Mostly how the wait all the games up until that point. And I think you obviously you're betting on a guy who doesn't really have the production that Mike Kosicki has, right? Mike Kosicki's numbers are just going to start him at a certain point in the contract negotiations that are just going to make you up uncomfortable up front. Yeah. With David Njoku, he doesn't have those strong stats to pull from. He only has the projection to pull from. He only has right. the upside that you can argue. And if I'm the Chargers, I'm saying, hey, look, you know, look. What we've done, Kevin Coger, one of the best tight end coaches in the league right now who's getting pursued to be an offensive coordinator yeah. in Denver. So, like, you know it's a strong unit that came a long way last season, and you love the production that you saw from Trey McKitty from the start of the year to year's end. Donna Parham seemed to be hitting his stride before he ended up getting injured at the end of the season. Like, it's an up-and-coming group, and you have a coach that you feel like 
could get the most out of you. And it's another situation like a Chen and Nuosu where I'm just like, I don't know if this will be the biggest deal that David Njoku gets, right? Because it seems yeah. like he's criminally underused right now. You have to sell him on, we can get you way more paid than you've been getting right now. Like, because we are just going to get you the ball more. We're going to get you in more advantageous situations and let you do work after the catch. Like you showed he could do against the Chargers in that game. But we don't you need to remind you. You had to bring it up, Daniel. You had to bring it up. Yeah, but I mean, he's not the only guy on this list, though. That makes a lot of sense. And one of the names that's been floated around, David, is Tyron Matthew, who Tyron Matthew. made it, you know, I mean, with through social media posts, he made it seem after the season, after the team lost to the Bengals in the AFC championship game, seemed like a farewell speech and a goodbye. Yeah, to he Kansas seemed like City he was fans. as good as gone. Right. And, the, and the, you know, the Chiefs are one of those teams that could restructure and save a lot of cap space. Maybe they have more space than they do right now to go you know bring him back and it says on this espn article that that would be his best fit when i think david his best fit could be next to derwin james i don't think that you can argue with that at all and (laughs) and and i think it's beautiful because this is a guy in tyron matthew that is also at his best like derwin james when he's getting moved all over the football field and you're kind of you're able to really be as multiple as you possibly can when you have guys that you know you can move over to the slot or into the in the backfield or in the box you can move them at wherever you want them to be and trust that they're going to be able to do their job and you allow other playmakers on the football field and on your defense to do other tasks as well. I just think that it really gives you a lot more options as a defensive coordinator and a play caller. This is how I think of it. I think of it like this. It's killing two birds with one stone because right now when you're looking at the Chargers, we know they need impact players defensively. And you can look at, you know, Tyron Matthews, PFF numbers and things like that. What I can tell you is from watching him, the dude still has juice. He can still take the ball away. As many interceptions, three that any Chargers player had last season right so it's not a very high bar but he does bring some playmaking ability to the back end and he also gives you that flexibility to where you don't feel like you need as much at corner you still need to build the depth at corner but you bring in tyron matthew you're giving yourself way more safety depth and the chargers had zero safety depth last season and now derwin james can go play in the slot or tyron matthew can go play in the slot or nazir adderley can go play in the slot and you still have two guys back there you can feel good about right you can have Derwin James as your Mike linebacker, your, your dime linebacker, a spot that really hurt you last year because you tried it with Kenneth Murray and you didn't have any options to put in for Derwin James. And you get these, you know, draw plays that give up crucial first downs at the end of the game. So, like, I think that it's just it unlocks a lot for the Chargers defense. Brian Staley last year, the biggest thing was versatility, versatility. Yeah. That gives you versatility. I mean, the dude uh-huh. took snaps everywhere. He took 49 snaps at outside cornerback last season right he only allowed a passer rating of 91.4 when targeted 280 snaps at free safety 208 in the slot 438 in the box that's versatility it helps you at linebacker it helps you at safety and it helps you at corner yeah it's like three or four players in one i mean you obviously the the money's got to be right and you also got to keep in mind that he is around the age of 30 so i mean he's been in this league for a long time so what is <laughs> the contract gonna like look the- like it still feels like he would bring them juice, though. Like, that's the funny thing yeah. is, like, we've been saying, you know, the Chargers need to get more athletic, they need to get faster and stuff. It's like mm-hmm. he has all those things. I mean, he is a super athlete, too. Like, yeah. I mean, the dude is a freak. Well, and athlete. I just love the swagger. And you know, he's going to bring confidence. You know, he's going to bring leadership ability. Yeah. He's that type of guy for sure. He's a glue guy. And, you know, hey, he might be the missing link. You never know. We know Derwin James is the unquestioned leader of the football team, but. 
it's never a bad thing to bring in a guy who has a Super Bowl championship ring as well, you know, and brings that pedigree over to a, a defense and a team that hasn't won a championship. So it's always good to have those type of guys. One guy I'd like to throw in there real quick that was on the list that I liked was Mike Daniels, the guard from the Chicago Bears. And he's only given up four sacks in the four seasons he's been in the league. Um, he did it's miss- James Daniels, right? No, I, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Okay. James Daniels. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know why I said Mike Daniels. James Daniels here. They use some, some girth too, but yeah, James Daniels. Yeah. Um, but yeah, <clears throat> offensive lineman here, only given up four sacks in four years. He's played all over the offensive line, left guard, center, and right guard. And the best part here, he is only 24 years old. So the likelihood of him actually getting out of the building, probably slim to none, but hey, I can dream. And of course, I'm going to want to take a guy who is already shown to be very, very productive and only be 24 years old. You can lock him up and put him on an an offensive line that's already improving um, and already shown that they have part of that figured out. Yeah, I mean, the offensive line, I mean, if you could just lock a dude up who would come in to be your right guard, right? I mean, that's what you would just fill him in, and you know that he could come in and play well right away. Of course, yeah, I mean, if you're the Bears and you have Justin Fields, you're trying to do that. Of course, you know, you're probably not trying to let any quality offensive lineman get out of the door. You should probably, as the Bengals found out the hard way, build around (laughs) that quarterback, you know, and get some offensive linemen that are going to protect him and not get him sacked seven-plus times in two playoff games. But... I do think that there's a lot of interesting fits, and I think that, you know, one of the guys that doesn't show up on this list like Akeem Hicks, you know, and I think the other interesting thing here, David, is just that the Chargers only had two dudes show up on this list, right? Chandler yeah. Wilson and Mike Williams is not talking about, you know, the Justin Jones or Kazir White, who, you know, probably has an argument to be on this list. So even if, you you know, they bring back a Mike Williams, they bring back a Chandler Wilson, that's going to take a big chunk. And the Chargers can restructure contracts and things like that, but, like, they're not going to be able to bring all these dudes back. And that's why I think it is important to, you know, to see what this team would look like without a guy like Mike Williams. But the good news is, though, is just that you're going to know going into the draft, right? Because it's like, yeah. hey, if you can't keep Mike Williams, now more is in play at 17. Even if you do, you know, there's a lot of different ways you could go with it. But if you can't bring back Shin Wosu, feels like edges the pick at 17 if one yeah. of those guys falls. So you never want to have to draft from a position of want, David, or need, you don't want to have to do that. You want to take yeah. that player available. But yes. it just it, it feels hard to think that these decisions aren't going to hugely impact what they decide to do in round one. Yeah, and and from the general manager's perspective, and as we've heard, heard Tom Tiltsko say on multiple occasions, you can't just draft for the needs and the issues that you have now. You also have to project and see what you're going to pick in the future and how you're going to supplement your roster in the future. And I see Daniel's roll, rolling his yeah. eyes here. Because obviously we've we've heard that approach and we we've heard that we've also seen it not work at all. So I mean, hopefully this year that approach changes a little bit. Um, but I mean, hey, that's the general manager that is in play for the Chargers. He's the head guy, so we know how he rolls. Of course, and I mean, it's not like I mean, it's just obviously that's all GM speaking stuff. But like, uh-huh. it's just it's frustrating when you're always hearing about the future, right? I mean, I'm sure yeah. Philip Rivers was hearing about the future for his entire career until it was for too sure. late. So, like, yep. I think the one thing we have learned over the last week is, hey, go for it now. You know, yeah. like, the time is now. You have to go for it. You just saw the Bengals make it to the Super Bowl, right? And they had a couple of things bounce their way. They had a good quarterback. They had a good defense for the most part, you know. But even that defense, like, the Chargers could get a defense near that defense. It's not like it was anything, you know, top Yeah, five just one time. Now. Screw the future. Screw planning for the future. Let's go, let's go get it now. Let's go get the championship right now, okay? I mean, we, sure. we've, 
we've tried the plan for the future approach. It hasn't worked. So right. why not change it? Well, and it's just like you, you just don't want the Chargers in free agency this year, especially seeing what the deficiencies they had going into last year to have that happen again. Because last year yeah. we knew going into the year there was no depth of safety, right? We knew that there was very little depth at corner. We knew that the right side of the offensive line, if Brian Bulaga got hurt, there would be no good option. So like last year, they were leaving salary cap space on the table and they got a little bit of rollback over, you know, this year, rollover cap. But like you should have been, you know, fortifying the roster and, and getting better players to, so you weren't like so strapped when dudes did to get her and just like in general, the depth that you didn't have there. So like yeah. you want them to use whatever they can. You throw all the resources you can at this 2022 roster because the window is now, you know, no matter how much. Tom Telesco doesn't want to, you know, believe in windows. I just think of him living in like a windowless house, right? Just because like Tom, <laughs> Tom doesn't believe in windows. It's just like, a, you know, one of those rooms where you just can't see anything out of. So Tom Telesco, I mean, you have to just hope that it's like he knows, but it's like, it just seems like he's very comfortable. Doesn't seem like he's feeling the fire. Too of comfortable, honestly. And I, I don't like that. I, I don't know how he can be that comfortable, but. I mean, who, who's really, who's really making all the decisions here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, I get that, right? That's the but, eternal trump card, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, and, it, it's bottom and, of your season. And you almost but. hate it. Obviously, you love having Justin Herbert, but it's like, why do you give this guy another get-out-of-jail-free card? It's like, yeah. man, it's time to put his dang feet on the fire and really turn up the pressure, but yeah. I get it. Justin it Herbert is I mean, there's, you, you just want to see some urgency from this front office, right? And hopefully – we get that this year. We saw a little bit last year. wasn't enough, and they had a lot to do. It was a really good attempt at building, you know, a much better roster, much better offensive line, things like that. Hopefully it was just step the, one. The defense was severely lacking, though, and we ended up finding that out. The depth at certain positions was severely lacking at positions you should have been prepared for. So if you guys want to tell us how much you hate all of those things, make sure you hit us up tomorrow because tomorrow is Fan Mail Friday. So make sure you guys get your questions and you can put them in the YouTube comments down here. You can also... Hit us up at LockedOnLAC on Twitter or me at DanTalkSports. I'm Dave Drogemeyer at DroTalkSD, but we'll put a post out on Twitter. You can also call into the LockedOn Chargers voicemail line at 323-524-7924. We try to get every Chargers voicemail played on the show. But get your questions in, guys, and we will answer them on the show. And to make sure you don't miss it, go follow the show wherever you get your podcast from for free on all platforms and subscribe to the LockedOn Chargers podcast and rate and review on your podcast platform if it lets you as well. We really appreciate it. But thank you guys for making us your first listen today. Can't wait to get you guys involved tomorrow on Fan Mail Friday. But until then, take it easy and go Bolts.